How are we going to start this from? Uh, well, we're actually recording now. <laughs> so we're going to start it. Yeah. So Iceland. So Iceland, Scott. What do you know about Iceland? Um, well, I've just I know about the the only enemy they have in the world or have had in the world in the past century has been us, the British. Um, yeah. Which is brilliant. Same Classic. thing that we said last time um, <laughs> yeah. with Hunkman. Um Britain's going to come up a lot in a not good way. Um, I've also seen about the 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 first environmentalist of Hong Kong. Have you seen about this? No. There was um, there's a giant waterfall. I don't know what the name of it off the top of my head is, but um, in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong. In Iceland. I thought you was actually referring to Hong Kong, so I was just there like, no, oh, there's, there's maybe this, he's got some Wait, did up. I say the first environmentalist of Hong Kong? Yeah. No, of Iceland. I meant oh. of Iceland. That's going to be annoying. But yeah, the first environmentalist of Iceland, um, there's a giant waterfall, and the government wanted to turn it into a hydroelectrical yes. power plant. Do you know about this? Yes. Yes. Um, it's a huge tourist destination. It's like absolutely beautiful. Lo- well, they, loads of people go there every year. They said they changed their mind because um, there was a girl who threatened to throw herself into the top of it if they did it. Um, <laughs> a sort of like a protest type thing. Um, and they didn't do it. And she was, yeah, she was renowned as being the first environmentalist of Iceland. Yeah, I mean. Is it the first? Is she the first environmentalist? I like the country runs on one hundred percent renewable energy. Yeah, and this so. is the thing. Is is this was like I think about a century ago. Like she was the first one that was like went all in on it. Oh right. Like she started the Iceland being an incredibly green place to live. Her name was Sigrigor Thomas Dottier, which is absolutely not how it's pronounced, but. Um, she was alive from 1874 to 1957, and she was the one that kicked off Iceland being a very environmentally friendly country, because yeah, which, yeah. she was so, um, she did that, which was like a, got loads of publicity, I imagine, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, which has um, started off the whole thing of it being 100% renewable energy, I'm guessing. By, but the... The thing which I don't get is that she started that by stopping a renewable energy source from being created. Yeah, which is why I was a bit confused when you said it. But, but it was a hydro... I remember reading it. It was a hydro like hydro dam type thing. Yeah. I think it's because they were going to build a giant construction project over nature. Yeah, it's I think to preserve the natural her. beauty of the, of the landscape. I think that was her sort of issue with it. But no, yeah, they do use geothermal heat combined with hydroelectrics of the dams and that to contribute to their overall energy output. To be fair, that makes sense, though, because um, they're literally... Isn't the entire island just based on one volcano? Uh, no, it's more than one volcano. It's it's a very, like, volcanic island, and there's tons of hot springs there, so they use a lot of geothermal heat. Because uh, it's where the tectonic plates between two places meet, so you can sort of walk between them and everything. Yeah, the Eurasian and the North American plates, they meet in Iceland, so yeah, you can actually walk from one continent to the other, technically. There's like a little bridge between them, but yeah, it looks like a huge like, crack in the ground, I guess, like cavern, yeah. like a fissure. But yeah, most of it is sort of hot springs everywhere and stuff like that, which are 
very popular in Iceland. You can just sort of find them as you're walking around anywhere, pretty much. Like, it seems kind of dangerous, though. What? Well, if you just like walk along, you fall into a hot spring, and they're like super hot. So they don't fall into them. Like you can, I, uh, like I don't know, see them. You just you run across them. Like well, they're like a puddle, like a really like boiling hot puddle. A really boiling hot puddle. <laughs> I guess they are kind of that. They're not like yeah. super hot that like, you're gonna burn yourself. Like people get in them, don't they? Are they all like that? Because they shoot steam out of the. That's Actually, like that's... geysers. Those are like geysers. So it's like right. Oh, I see. I see. These are like like almost like pools of warm water that you can sit in. Yeah. Which is a very popular thing to do there. Lots of people do it. Is that what you want to do, Rob? What? You want to go to Iceland and sit in the hot springs? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> You've seen the Blue Lagoon they have. No. You need to look that up. You need to see pictures of that. It right looks now. Okay. absolutely amazing. I think I've heard something about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this giant outdoor, like, pool almost. But it's, like, obviously heated via, like, the hot springs. And it's like crystal, like clear blue water. Nice. And it's like it's you want like like you'll go there and just sort of chill, socialize, hang out. It's a pretty yeah. common thing to do. I'm actually seeing this. This looks awesome. It looks amazing, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm like. Yeah, I would definitely like to use that. It does have some sort of like health benefits as well. It's good for your skin and See, stuff like that. That's where I swear I, I I've heard this from somewhere. It was a, I'm sure I've seen like a video about it. I can't remember the context. But yeah, another thing they use the heat for, Scott, is to make bread. To make bread? Yes. Can they not use it? Oh, do they steam it then? Have you seen this? No, not at all. They make like a traditional like rye wheat uh, dough. And then this fella, he goes out onto the beach, sort of feels about how hot it is, digs a little hole, pops the pot of bread underneath it, buries it, comes back about 24 hours later he's cooked a whole loaf of bread with no energy for yeah. free yeah see that's the crazy thing about Iceland is that they've got this like ridiculous amount of energy that's just part of their they're very good for natural resources like they've got the vol- like the volcanic stuff underneath where they get like loads of heat from that would just be dissipated into the environment any other way so it's like actually good to use it and they've also got like the huge fishing trade and everything around it in the waters. It just seems like they've got a massive sort of um, like they can use their environment quite well. Yeah, that's what they kind of do there. Like living off the land. Yeah, that kind of thing. They are like an island nation, aren't they? That's kind of like a bit more out the way and isolated from the world and like a little bit. They're surrounded <laughs> the by north. like five hundred miles of nautical miles of sea. Yeah, a little bit out in the, the way. northern Atlantic. So yeah, yeah. pretty. Uninhabitable yeah. above them. I know. <laughs> so they kind of have to like use their own sort of resources and that. But yeah, it's the bread itself is called Hoverbrot. I think that's how you pronounce it. See, this is this is going to be the worst thing because every time I've seen an Icelandic person pronounce anything, there's sounds which I've never heard before in that pronunciation. Yeah, they make some quite guttural sounds in the <laughs> I think it's called Hoverbrot. But know. it's apparently their language is the closest to the ancient, sort of the first Nordic languages where the ancient Norse, yeah, yeah, which is like the first, the some of the oldest little writings that we have, are from them because they've just kept their culture alive and kept on passing it down and down and down. Yeah, well, it's crazy. It they do they do say that like with some practice like Icelandic people can read like the old Norse 
Yeah. And kind of like understand it. Sort of stuff from like the prose Edda and stuff like that. Or the poetic Edda. Yeah. But it's that type of thing of like, they've managed to keep these records alive since like the 1300s. Yeah. Which is just insane. Well, I mean, we have like records from Julius Caesar and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. People, but people it's just written like, down like, like 2,000 years ago. Like the Bible is pretty old. It's a bit older than like the 1300s. The Bible is pretty old. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. We still got that. Oh, I I remember seeing a thing though. It was like the first written words that were put down. They don't have caveman people or anything that were writing stuff down. Like, <laughs> Wait, what? I don't even story. know why you asked me that. Who was caveman people writing stuff down? Yeah, like because that's what. Matt, I'm just going somewhere else. I don't know. Uh, some of the older texts we have are the Vedic scripts, which are like sort of ancient sort of Hindu scripts written in like the form of Sanskrit. This is all getting cut. I look like an idiot. It's going out. It's leaving. But yeah, it it, it is some of the only texts we have about the Viking sagas, as the Viking the Vikings they really write much down, and those tend to be written by people. That came after, yeah. So those were written in the thirteen hundreds, like those scripts. But the Viking Age ended by like the mid eleventh century, so there was like a few, oh, right. there's a few hundred years removed from it. So they're not entirely accurate, and they're not quite the same as it would have been. So I was thinking of the writing in the fourteenth century. That's the oldest text about the Vikings and about that history. Yeah. So between the 11th century and then, it's just sort of word of mouth and travelling around. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember these things were typically written down by uh, Christians, who right. were the only people that really wrote much stuff down at that time, like Christian monks, who then would have like recorded them and possibly would have not liked the Vikings too much, considering they had the ones that got raided. So a lot of yeah. the stories tend to be written down. And mythologized a bit more than it actually would have been at the time. But... Do you know how the first settlers went to Iceland? Well, wasn't it the bloke that got kicked out of Norway for murdering someone? Yep, so there's that one. Uh, it was discovered three times. Yeah. The, um... They hit the Faroe Islands first, didn't they? Yeah, well, they hit. There was one guy that was just sort of going around, and someone else went across. And they put two planks of wood in the water. And just let it float and decided that wherever they ended up on shore is where they would make their home. And that's where the actual city is. Well, of Reykjavik. Yeah. That's where where the planks went all around and sort of landed there. That's where they decided because it was leaving up to God to decide where yeah. the actual city was. I think that was the third person. The first person was the murderer. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he's just the bloke that got done for murder and got well, kicked actually, out. Actually, I think it was he was the third one, because then his son was also banished from Iceland for being a murderer. For murdering again, yes, which then he went found to Greenland. Greenland. <laughs> and then so his, which that was, was that Eric the Red, I'm pretty sure. And then Leif Erikson was his son, who then actually found Canada. Which is uh, oh yeah, yeah. The Vikings discovered a, the continent of America before Christopher Columbus. Yeah. All right, Rob. Hit us with a quick fact. 
Iceland is the northernmost producer of bananas in the world. <laughs> <laughs> How do they grow there? Surely it's too cold. Right, because of Iceland's geography, it's like very like mountainous, and there's a lot of glaciers and stuff. So only like about roughly one percent of the land is like arable for like farming. So the way they get around that, obviously, is obviously they do import, but they use um, gr- a lot of greenhouses. Right. And they have a lot of greenhouses, which are obviously geothermal powered to um, oh. make, like, fruit and veg in that. And they can even grow bananas there, making them the northernmost country that produces bananas in the world. See, I feel like Iceland is, like, because it's such a small place and there's not a lot of people there. which it's means about that 360,000 people, roughly. Yeah, which is, like... Basically, a, a big city. Like, it's a big city's worth of people because there is only one city and there's just a massive amount of countryside. But, like, the actual, like, value that that place has is insane. Yeah, it's crazy. They, they basically got geothermal power limitlessly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Could yeah. you imagine if we had that, if we just had a volcano, how rich we would make it? <laughs> Like, we would exploit the shit out of that yeah, volcano. We would be going volcanoes activists, like leave the volcanoes alone. Yeah. We just like we yeah. Yeah. Which makes me think that maybe like Iceland aren't taking the full advantage of their natural sort of resources, but then I guess they're also concerned about keeping the environment safe and everything. Yeah, that that Tying that balance between like using the environment but also keeping it because it's a beautiful country because it's obviously a huge tourist destination now like yeah. massive they get a, up to three times their population coming to the country every year as tourists. How much? Because you, they're not part of the EU, are they? No, they are part of the European Economic Area and the Schengen Area. Yeah. So, kind of, but not not actually an EU member. We couldn't move there without, like, a visa and a whole system, could we? Well, Can you move there? We're not part of the EU, Scott. So. Well, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not now, but, like, um, I was just thinking. I'm not quite sure I'm, like, moving there, but it, it the Schengen area does mean that you can travel between all the countries without having border checks. Oh, really? Yeah. There's like there's like a whole list of countries, which are all EU countries. Well, well yeah. mainly EU countries. Not everyone's part of the EU, but they're all European countries, where you can just travel through them. From like, example, Norway to say Portugal, no border checks. You can go all the way down. But we're not part of that. Not anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but we, we was have... never part of the Schengen area. Either. Yeah, because um, we do border checks for everything. No. Yeah. Do we do border checks for? Oh yeah, we do. We don't. For Republic of Ireland going to Northern Ireland, there's passport checks there, isn't there? No, there shouldn't be. It's supposed to be a soft border. Oh, is there? Okay. We have a good one. What were we talking about last about Iceland? We were talking about geothermic power. That seems to be what we're all always talking about in this episode. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know they got hot springs and they use the energy of the heat to like. <laughs> all right, all right. That's, that's such, so one thing they can't use is solar power. Wow, Scott, can they or can't they? Is Iceland a sunny country or not? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. Right. Is, is it a sunny country? 
in the summer it is, yeah. In fact, it doesn't actually get dark in the sun. Okay. It is the land of the midnight sun. That sounds like... A Led Zeppelin lyric. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, like, what it is. It's, um... Because it's so, like, high north. It's not quite in the Arctic Circle. It's at a few degrees south of it. But it is, like, high enough to experience that, like... All like twenty four hour daylight basically, where it, the oh, sun the, never really goes down. The sun never sets. Yeah, well, like, it will set at times for about three hours, but even then, it doesn't set like enough to be gone, gone, gone. So it's still like it'll be like the sun's set, but you know, when the sun's just set, but you can still see outside and that's all right. Gets quite like that. Yeah, yeah, basically, and you do just get kind of like this weird like sunset that goes straight into sunrise. Oh, that's cool. So you get like three hours of like that. But also near the solstice um, on the 21st of June is like, it is a 24-hour um, sun, but the sun doesn't actually set. And it is like a midnight sun. On the other side, in the winter, it's basically dark all the time. And you have about five hours of daylight and the rest is just dark. But is it? The- then it's... you do get to see the northern lights. Oh, do you? Yes. That's quite cool. Can you, can, you can't see them. You can see them in some areas of Scotland, can't you? Yeah, you can if the weather's clear enough. But speaking of the the winter and the summer there, like the different seasons, you got like... So you'd think it'd be incredibly cold in Iceland and just icy all the time, wouldn't you? Yeah. But in the summer, it can has been known to get as hot as 25 degrees. Okay, so that's often, not... Often, it usually commonly will sit at about 12 degrees in the summer. Okay. And a lot of the ice will fall and melt, and you will just have, like, grass everywhere. It'll be quite a green country, actually, because that's the whole thing about Iceland and Greenland have opposite names. Yeah. Greenland's full of ice, and Iceland's actually quite green. Yeah. So, uh, but it's like... Because 25 degrees, that's not necessarily hot, hot. But it's fairly warm. Yeah, it's like... Sort of how warm it gets here, isn't it? In the summer, yeah. The hottest temperature they've ever recorded is 30 degrees. Sounds like a very hot Oh, year. hell. Oh, to be fair, if you it's spend... It's called Iceland. Like... If you spend all of your day in in the ice and in the cold, yeah. 30 degrees, I would. I think you would die. Yeah. Could you imagine? That'd be like 50 degrees here. But yeah, it's usually about 12 degrees in the summer. And then in the winter, it sits at about minus one. Which again is not as cold as you'd think, though, is it? Because it doesn't, it doesn't get as cold as a Russian winter or a Canadian one. Yeah, but like still, going out in minus temperatures is always crap. It's just crap. I quite like it sometimes. I hate like, it. That crisp, <laughs> like cold air. I like specifically fifteen degrees. If it's hotter than that, nah. I get that colder in the summer that, over there. Nah. Fifteen degrees. Yeah, it's, it's you know twelve like. Around that, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, that would be a, that'd be acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Although the weather changes like quite quickly though. Oh, can it? Yeah, like all the time. It's like. Oh yeah, it's going to be like... stormy, isn't it? Because it's um, that's one of the reasons why it was inhabited for like so long because there was no. It was like the cost of going out there or the risk wasn't worth it for the potential gains of going there. Yeah, the Northern Atlantic has never been quite stormy. So, like, it'll be changed between rain, sleet, snow, and sun, like, all the time. 
So even like in like one day, you can go out and be like, look outside. Oh, it's sunny out. You go outside and it just start like raining. Kind of guess like here. Yeah, I was going to say that. But they have, a cha- they have a higher chance for it to be snow in there as well. Plus, yeah. it's got quite a bad wind chill. So even though it is like twelve degrees outside, the wind chill does kind of make it colder. <sighs> this is not acceptable. But... You need it to be like twenty degrees if there's a wind chill. Yeah, we've got to talk about the flag. So the flag is a. Uh... It's a blue background, so it's all set on a field of blue. It's a Nordic cross with a red fin across inside a white outer cross. The red is representing the volcanoes and the lava of the island. The white represents the ice and the snow. And then and the, the blue, blue ref- represents the sky. The sea. The sea? <laughs> the sea. What? Well, I reckon it's the sky. I, it's, I swear it's... The Atlantic wow. Ocean. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, so... Oh, of course, because it's the fire and the ice in the middle of the yeah. sea. Cause, yeah, yeah, it's the land of um, ice and fire. Yeah. Don't all of the Nordic countries have that little cross? Yeah, they all have the Nordic cross, yeah. So it's like a cross that's sort of off to off the to left. Off to the left, yeah. In the uh, one-third to two-thirds ratio, like one to two. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it's on that third line. Um, yeah. It's weird. I, I still think it's weird how sort of, um, what's the word for it? How strict flag rules are. Like how they, they're like, it has to be one ninth of the flag is this colour. One ninth of the flag has to be the other colour. This seems ridiculous to me. Well, I get the reason why. It's because it's got to be uniform. It's got to yeah, be like it's got to be the same produced. It's got to be able to be displayed all over the world and it needs to be uniform. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Let's talk about the National Beer Day. What is what is the point of National Beer Day? The point of National Beer Day. National Beer Day is celebrated on the 1st of March every year, and it celebrates the legalisation of beer in the country. Okay. Which dates back to 1989 is when they finally legalised beer. Why was it? Oh, I guess because it was Christian? Was that why it was illegal? Nah, um, it was in um, the early 20th century where a lot of countries were in the whole prohibition movement. Oh, right. And they did a vote to, uh, like, ban alcohol to, in the country in 1915. So. That was a sad day. But this is the funny part about it. Alcohol was banned, and then Spain was like, so you're going to stop buying red wine from us, are you? And then they were like, if you stop buying red wine, we'll stop buying fish from you. And obviously, Iceland's main export is kind of fish, isn't it? So they're yeah. like, oh, okay then. So red wine's not banned, and it? You can, we'll import red what? wine from um, Spain. And it got to the point where like doctors would like prescribe people a glass of red wine for like bad nerves. And there was even prescribing people cognac for like heart problems and that. But beer did remain illegal. This is insane. And so this is why it's specifically National Beer Day, because that remained illegal up until 1989, where they had enough vote on it, and they legalised beer. And finally, people could drink beer again. So now, every year on the 1st of March, everyone goes out and drinks beer and celebrates National Beer Day. That's mad. So that's a shame, though, because I always thought, like, Iceland was, like, a quite a sort of, like, strong-in-itself type nation. But they just... Oh well, we need we need our fish trade from Spain. So, this is the same thing as opium with Hong Kong. Trade is the root of all evil. 
Yeah, global trade is kind of people over, yeah. But it's kind of like also how you make a country powerful. Yeah. We need global trade to be relevant on the on the global stage and to be able to like make money, basically. Because you could be self-sustaining, but if you want to make money, you've got to sell people stuff. Yeah, you can't sort of... You can't sort of grow your. You can't earn more money in your country without selling it to other people. Yeah. The same as I can't make more money unless I've either got a job or if I'm selling something to you for more money. Yeah. And but, that just happens that they sold fish to Spain. We and should talk. Spain sold wine to them, and that was like, oh well, if you're not gonna, you're gonna buy wine, and I'm not gonna buy fish from you. And they're like, oh, we'll make an exception for wine. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and in the end, it just went. And, um, what if you don't like wine? You don't drink. Yeah. It's only wine drink. It's only the the pompous assholes that like wine. I like wine. I like wine too. We're pompous assholes. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only maybe. ones that get to drink. I think I just like booze on it. Like, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't really matter what it is. Like you're over there drinking a Morgan's and I got a Budweiser. So I'm drinking a Morgan's and a Budweiser. Budweiser. <laughs> Dual wielding. But, um, Which we can do here because beer is legalized. Yes, <laughs> and we could do in Iceland as of 1989. <laughs> Isn't that the name of Taylor Swift's album? 1989. Do you reckon that's where it came from? <laughs> that's what it's about, isn't it? She's <laughs> like beer man. <laughs> yeah, the only two people in Iceland that could drink during that time were the pompous arseholes and the. Just heavy drinkers that didn't care. Yeah, they were sort of mixed their own sort of whiskey kind of thing. Oh, there you go then. So it was. I don't think they were supposed to be making it, but they. Wow. You'd do, innit? Who can blame them? It's like in America when they had prohibition and then everyone started making moonshine. Moonshine, yeah. And the alcohol consumption rate in the country actually went up during prohibition. So it doesn't work. It just creates a black market. Yeah. It's almost like drugs. Okay, so we still don't have a sponsor. However, what we do have now is a Patreon that I've just set up. Um, essentially, me and Rob are just doing this because we like geography and it's a bit of a laugh. But uh, if anyone does want to give us any money, uh, there's now a place for you to do so. Um, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes in the shameless self-promotion section. Uh, probably be at the top this time, but... Yeah, it's there if you want it. Uh, if you do check it out, then thank you for even considering that, I guess. Bye. A little thing we can talk about, about Iceland, is the fact that they don't actually have an army. That They're kind one of, of the few countries that doesn't actually possess their own standing military. But they're a member of NATO, aren't they? So they can get, they get support from... The other countries, yeah, is that from, right? Yeah, from NATO allied countries. So they they have their own agreements with pretty much every member of NATO as well, basically saying like if we need help, you'll help us. Yeah. They don't have any standard military, um, due to the fact that like it's first of all, it's like very expensive to have a uh, standard military like that. And its population size is kinda like not really big enough. But it makes sense that Iceland wouldn't have a would be wouldn't have a army as such because they tried to stay neutral and everything. Yeah, so even though they did stay, um, even though like I say they didn't have an army necessarily, they did fight in World War One. Did they? Yeah, 
but at that point they was kind of part of the Denmark Union so it was right. kind of under the control of Denmark so they kind of fought for Denmark during that or at least sent soldiers to fight with the Danish army yeah so and that's World War Two. they remained officially neutral and obviously Denmark quickly got um, overtaken by Nazi Germany didn't they yeah which is when they tried to remain neutral and then this is when the British did invade them in 1940. It's the same thing again. It's the same thing. It's, it's not like, the same. This time it wasn't the same reasons, though. Not the same reasons, but it's the same thing of we're going to be the arseholes in every situation. Well, kind of. When the was reason Britain, we invaded When was them, Britain ever oppressed? When were we the guys that got... Oh, I guess the Vikings actually invaded us, didn't they? Well, we had, like... The Romans. Yeah, the Romans, the Vikings. Vikings. Well, I guess... Yeah, I mean, Iceland, we were just getting our own back. Yeah. The I mean. Saxons. Yeah. The Jutes. The Jews? Jutes. Oh. Northern Germanic people from Denmark, basically, around that era. But yeah, Iceland stays neutral, like you say. I, I didn't think they'd fought in World War One. Well, um, they fought under Denmark. Yeah, because if I'm right, soldiers to Denmark basically. The country stayed neutral, but they supplied. Because in, I'm pretty sure in World War Two there was like 300 people that were fighting under other people's banners, under the people's flags. Ah, most. Well, there might have been there might have been World War One where they sent about 300 yeah. people. Yeah, in. that was World War One to fight with um, with Denmark. Denmark. But yeah, so Britain did invade them mainly to keep it like, it's a very important tactical. Um, position Iceland was during the Battle of the Atlantic and it was to stop it falling into German hands and in that situation it's kind of like the lesser of two evils yeah I mean they wasn't necessarily happy with it but you know it's that or Nazis yeah and it yeah. did help us win the war, having that yeah, so yeah. That. And but, they, but obviously they wasn't happy with it and they did actually they demanded compensation from the British which the British agreed to and favourable trade deals with them. Oh really? Yes. I didn't, what was the reparations? And, Do you have any idea? No, they just demand like compensation, like a payment, like oh, like, right. like a financial compens- compensation um, yeah uh, favourable trade deals and non-interference in Icelandic affairs which we all know that lasted for for some time with the British, didn't it? Yeah, for us, to be fair. <laughs> there was I mean, some, there was some lasted non-interference. more than or, 10 years. And then it goes to the, the 60s where we have the Cod Wars. When I, when I saw this, because I, I looked at... I wanted to check to see if Iceland... Because you said in the last one about how Iceland don't... We don't have any sort of like beef with Iceland. We don't so right I, now, no. Not right now, no. But I looked it up and I was like, let me just see. I want to see who they have had beef with. And the only country that came up every time was the United Kingdom. I was like, no. But yeah, I, when I was reading that, there was a list of all of them. And I misread the Cod Wars as being the Cold War. So I thought they had like something, because they are quite close to Russia as well. I thought they were sort of, are they not? Yeah, yeah. They're at the, the top. They go over the Arctic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking like, because you know, this is Rob's map, Scott, so I'm like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, because they're right. on other sides, aren't they? No, the, it is in fact a globe. <laughs> so it goes over the top. 
This is the this is the Rob's Globe segment of the podcast where you realise you can go over the Arctic to certain countries. But yeah, so they they quite in a good strategic position for Russia. I mean, just they're like they're sort of similar to um, America and Cuba, where they're sort of like just not just off the coast. Cuba's a lot closer to America, but they're like they would expand the reach of missiles in yeah. that region. I mean, the US does always keep like a sort of military bases on the island. Until 2006, wasn't it? They don't have a military there now. Do they not? I don't think so. Oh, that's one of the very few places they don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till the America episode. Yeah. But anyways, um, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, the Cod Wars. See, I thought, I thought which it was the Cod Wars. Which I just have the image of like Star Wars, but it's just like Cod. I'm like <laughs> jumping across the top. God damn it! But yes, yeah, the um, the thing of so to explain the what the cod wars actually were, it was as I understand it, there was a sort of treaty where everyone agreed. I think it was like two nautical miles off of your coast is exclusively your fishing zone. So outside of that is open waters, and you can go and fish wherever you want. You can do whatever you want in those areas. Um, but Britain kept on going into Iceland's two-mile distance to fish and to do trawling. Um, well, not quite. Britain had, like, claimed a vast majority, like, hundreds of nautical miles of, like, fishing rights. And when Iceland wanted to expand their four nautical mile um, fishing rights to 12 is when England was like, well, now you're encroaching into our, like, super huge, massive fishing area. Right. Which then caused the first cod war but that one there was no casualties in that one was there there was only one in the second how was there three how was, how there? was there three cod wars because they were never really resolved properly you know and they all happened literally like sequentially like one year two years later one year it, the issue was never resolved so right. it is one war I would personally I would say it's one war with three battles Battles, but the battles lasted like a long time, so that's why it's separated into three wars. But yes, uh, I think it was the second one where someone died, wasn't it? Where um, um there was a one because they were doing the main tactic for them because they couldn't really Iceland didn't have a very big sort of navy. They couldn't well, really compete. The thing is, with they, us. Don't, they don't have a navy. They have the coast guard armed yeah. with some like anti a militarized coast guard. Yeah, but they couldn't outfire the British, so they took to a tactic of ramming into the fishing trawlers. They're, they have the Coast Guard armed with, like, um, smaller nave, naval artillery, basically. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they, they were using the tactic of ramming into the trawlers yes. and then trying to get away. And cutting the, the lines on the nets. Yeah, cutting the fishing lines of the trawlers. I know one of them got flooded and someone got electrocuted. Yeah, that's the one. Um, then the third one was... Because actually, to be fair, when I was looking at this, Iceland did come off as kind of the bad guy. Because they kept expanding they their... They kept expanding. They did. With, without, like, there was a convention where it was agreed, this is how yeah. much space you get. And then they were like, actually, no, we just want more. We just want yeah. more space. Because they also Which... had Britain held in, like, a situation where they couldn't do anything either due to, like... The Cold War. Well, yeah, because like, um, they were basically threatening to drop out of NATO and remove America's bases on the island if Britain 
fully attack them. So it was kind of, but like you say, after every agreement, that's why there's free. See, this is why there's free Cold Wars, because after every agreement, they want to expand further, and then Britain don't like it, and then they have another, like, sort of stalemate of, like, boats driving around and that. Curious. Oh, sailing, it's... <laughs> driving around, <laughs> sailing. But it's one of those things as well where it's like, at least they weren't sort of planes coming over the coast and bombing everyone. Like, at least it wasn't like boots on the ground. Well, they asked America to do that to the British. They asked America to bomb the British ships. And America was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the thing, because they... Cause they Afterwards, they really were confident in leaving NATO because they did say that um, they feel like NATO didn't really help them much in the in the war, but like it's Britain's Britain. one of the biggest players in NATO, so like it's a really awkward situation for everyone involved. They should have called um, Britain and been like, "Hey, can you help us with this country? They keep on ramming our ships." <laughs> yeah. Here's for the quick fact. So it has one of the lowest um, crime rates in the world. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, it has a basically a virtually zero percent murder rate. Uh, it was founded by a murderer. The irony of that. <laughs> the irony of that. Yeah. It was. Um, it's such like a small sort of because um, it's such a small country and kind of like a tight knit secure um, community. Everyone sort of knows somebody that knows somebody. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. So it's just sort of like a close-knit place. Yeah, the murder rate's virtually zero, which also makes it the most peaceful country in the world. Oh, that's really cool. It has been voted the most, um, well, voted or what? I don't know how the system works. Figured out, yeah. Figured out that it is the most peaceful country in the world. Nice. Better. Let's move there. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, this, I just got like it's a cool place, and I think you'd want to go there. This, this, uh, no pun intended there. But... What? What did you say? It's <laughs> a cool place. <laughs> God damn it! But um, yeah, I reckon Iceland. Iceland would be fun. Iceland is a very expensive country to live in. It can't be more expensive than Hong Kong. Probably not. So Hong sure, Kong was billionaires. Yeah, but the average person's not a billionaire in Hong Kong. So the average, so on average, Iceland's supposed to be about thirty-four percent more expensive to live in than the UK. But surely the paychecks must be then. Yeah, they do get paid better, but it is more expensive to live there. So we can go through a couple things if you want. Like, Where's the cheapest place to live? Where would I be a billionaire? There. <laughs> yeah. South Sudan. Well, that's that's scary because I feel like I get murdered there. Yeah, that's the <laughs> risk of going to a cheap place. Oh, I see. So it's like the I guess because like social programs because it's more expensive yeah. to live because it funds social programs. So yeah, that keeps everyone safe, which is why this place is probably more expensive than America. But here you can at least peacefully protest. Let's plan our move to Iceland. Right? Yeah. How much is it going to cost me to smoke? Um, the average pack of cigarettes, um, Marlboro's, would cost you £8.10, which would actually be cheaper than here. So it's looking good already? 
How about wine? Wine was the staple food for like a couple of years. How much is that? So for a mid-range bottle of wine, you're looking at about 14 quid, which is... That's not too bad, to be fair. More than here, but... It's more than here, but like, is that pub wine or supermarket wine? Just says mid-range wine, mate. All right. Oh, to be fair, mid-range. So the cheap wine is still going to be about like a fiver. Possibly. If you can get wine for three quid here. This is the one though, Scott. It's about six seventy for a pint of beer. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, hang on. Alright, let's let's think about this a bit more. We'd have to like take out a loan for a drinking session. Basically, like you say, it is the the social programs, but it's also because it's all a lot of it's all imported. A lot, a lot of a lot of it's made like in house. So. Right. There's obviously importation taxes and stuff. So what we need to do is start open like the first big brewery in Iceland. Make a killing off of making everyone alcoholics. 